0: Thank you for joining us at Luminous Church. And this morning, we hope that you see Jesus clearly. Gotta love some Kanye on a Sunday morning, don't you? Gotta love some power. Some power in the morning. You know, I just think it's, it's kind of interesting. It's not every Sunday that Yeezy is playing on Sunday morning, you know. So. But it's an appropriate song. It's an appropriate song for me because this weekend I was a part of a CrossFit competition. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm a part of a cult, CrossFit. <laughs> but the CrossFit competition was called Power Output, and I judged it. So I got to see some of the best athletes in Texas. Perform and I got to judge their, their weights and their lifts and all that stuff. And it's impre- it was impressive because I mean, this is the second largest competition in Texas. So every athlete, all the best athletes, come to this competition. I, mean, I think there was a $3,000 grand prize for who won. And so I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm a judge, so I'm watching these lifts and I can't tell you how impressive it was. I mean, these guys and girls are lifting crazy weight. One of the guys who goes to my gym. His name's Clint Beavers. He can deadlift 635 pounds. And he's also like 6'6", and he's a giant. And I look up at him, and I feel small. Which is not very common in my life. But I'm also watching these other guys, and they're like clean and jerking 350 pounds. And some of you don't know what a clean and jerk is, and I'm speaking a different language right now. But I'm gonna show you. Basically, a clean and jerk is on the ground, you pick it up, you bring it up to here, And then you press it up over your head. And they're doing 350 pounds with this. It's crazy. And what's even crazier is the girls are outlifting me. All these girls, you know, they're like this big. And they're like, I mean, making me feel embarrassed. You know, I'm like, what's the point? Why am I even doing this? Might as well just sit at home, eat some Twinkies, play some video games and get fat. That's what I ought to do because I'm worthless at this. All these people are so much better than me. But then I remembered, I got a secret weapon. And I remembered the verse from the day. Philippians 4, 13. Oh yeah, baby. The sports verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things. I can do all things. So I was like, okay, okay. I'm going to show Clint up. I'm going to get some big weight on the bar. And I'm going to lift it. I'm going to show him that I can do all things through Christ. And I filmed it for you. Oh, yeah. You get to see, you get to witness history. You get to see it. So watch this video. Watch me move this weight. See, what I'm about to do is I'm about to lift this 550 pounds right here. But you know what? I've never done this before, but I'm not worried about it because you know what? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Oh, yeah, I'm going to leave you hanging. You don't know whether I lifted it or not. Because I did lift it. You know I lifted that weight. Let me see. How many of you know I lifted it? Let me see some hands. There are not very many hands up right now. You have to believe in me. I said the verse. I believed it. You saw the passion. I wore my Dragon Ball Z shirt. I, was, I mean, it was awesome. I was about to lift some weight. How many of you didn't think I lifted it? Oh, man. No faith. No faith. I mean, look at this. I can lift some weight. Show them. Show them, me, show them the picture of me lifting that weight. Uh, oh, man. They weren't supposed to show that picture. Oh. So, obviously, I didn't lift the weight. The weight kind of beat me. Apparently, I can't do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No, that's... I just, oh man, I love that verse. I love this verse, and I love how we apply it, and I love how people end up in places like that. (laughs) Because that is what this series is about. Twisted. It's about taking some of our favorite verses, like Philippians 4.13, and we discover what they don't mean, which is, it doesn't mean I can go lift 550 pounds on deadlift when my max is 450. It doesn't work like that. It actually is talking about something else. So I love this series. I love what it's teaching us. I love that it's telling us to to dive into the word and not take one sentence out and apply it to whatever we want, but that we're supposed to look at the Bible and really look at the context and see what the Lord's really telling us in our life. Um, I love that we've learned these three tools. It's the tools that help us interpret scripture. And we've been talking about them for the last four weeks. And those tools are, number one, we want to understand the context of what we're reading. Number two is we want to always use other scriptures to help us interpret scriptures. And then our final tool, maybe the most important, is we need to apply it to our life. Because the Bible isn't just something that we read, that we study, that we we enjoy. It's something that we need to take and we look at, and we, we process, and we apply it to our life. Because it's alive, and it's real, and it has tangible impact in our life. So we've been going over those, those three tools, and hopefully, by the end of this series now, you'll be able to approach the Bible, and you'll be able to tap, tap into the richness of what God's actually trying to communicate to us. That we won't be slaves to this idea of just pulling these single verses out of context and, and making them mean whatever we want to believe. So the first tool we're going to use today in understanding what went wrong with Pastor J. Tom and his deadlift is understanding the context. And what we want to do, so we're going to look at Philippians, because there's a common theme with writers. Typically, when they write a letter or a book, they have a purpose and a plan for it. They have a reason why they're writing. They're not just going around writing whatever comes in their mind. And so it's important to look at the context of a a, a letter and a book, especially when we're reading Scripture. So Philippians is interesting, though. Um, First off, Philippians was written while Paul was in prison. He talks about, in one of the chapters, that he's literally hanging by chains between two palace guards. And most scholars think this was while he was in Rome, so it may have been the last time he was in prison, before he was eventually executed. But what's interesting about that is while Paul is in this dank prison, he's writing this letter to the Philippians, and it's basically a love letter, which is unique for Paul, because Paul doesn't usually write love letters. Most of his letters are him trying to correct a problem that he sees in the church, something that's rising up that he needs to correct and fix and get them back on the path, get them back following Jesus. But Philippians is different. Because just he fills the whole book with this just language, just gushing with, with love for these people, talking about how, much, how thankful he is that God you know, put them in his life and, and that he loves them and he considers them his children and he, that he's their father and all this other stuff. And it's, it's interesting because because he's doing that, like because he's writing it like a love letter, the other thing is, is there seems to be no point. There's no thesis. There's no grand statement that Paul's trying to make. It's as if he's, ha- he's in prison and his mind is just taken to the Philippians and he's just thinking back of how much he loves those people and he just wants to write. And so it just kind of flows out of, out of his heart. And so he kind of bounces around. He's just kind of saying whatever comes to his mind. Just like maybe you do when you sit down and you want to talk to your spouse or your best friend. And you're, you, know, you don't have anything particular. There's no reason why you're talking to him, You just enjoy their company. That's what I think Paul was doing with the Philippians. He just loved the Philippians, and so he's writing. So, actually, that doesn't really help us very much with understanding the context, because there is none. But we want to, you know, narrow the focus a little bit and look at chapter 4, because that's where Philippians 4.13 is. Look at the context around what Paul is saying. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, all things through Him who strengthens me within the context of he was talking about finances, which is very different than sports. Yeah, he's not talking about how he's going to bust out of that prison and break them chains <laughs> and go race the marathon with the Greeks. He's talking about the fact that he knows the Philippians in the past have supported him, that they've partnered with him in ministry. And he knows that they want to do it again. He's heard from some of his friends, some of the, the messengers that have come to him and they've told him that, that they want to support him again. And he's so thankful for that. But then he goes on to tell them, but you know what? There's been times in my life where I've had much in terms of wealth. And there's been times in my life that I've had little. And I've learned to be content in both. And it's right after he says that that he says, because I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that's the context that he says this verse. And that's what it means on its face value. That's the in law school what we call the prima facie meaning. It's true on its face. When you look at it, that's what it means. But the beautiful thing about the Bible and the word of God, I love this in Psalms, it talks about like the, 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 the voice of the Lord is like the sound of many waters. And so when God speaks, almost always there's multiple meanings. There's, there's layers of meaning. And so even though this is what this means on his face, There's more that Paul's talking about. And that's why it's important for us to use our second tool, which is interpreting Scripture using other Scriptures. And we're going to do that by looking at two other Paul letters, because it's important to look at his letters in this kind of, because he's the one who wrote Philippians 4. So we want to see what else Paul has to say about the Christian life and about what it means to follow Christ. So I want you to do is, if you have your physical Bible, most of you have your phones, But if you have a physical Bible, go ahead and flip to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And then after you find that, I want you to just go ahead and stick your finger right there. And then I want you to go ahead and turn a few pages to your right and find 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And we're going to be reading from both of those passages. When I I study for a sermon, when I'm prepping for a sermon, typically I don't just sit down and start writing It doesn't come to me that fast. I have to kind of sit and think about it. And so typically you'll find me at a coffee shop, at Indie Coffee, because it makes the best coffee around, no matter what people say. And I sit there and I'm thinking about the the topic. So this time I'm thinking about Philippians 4.13. And the first thing that kind of came to my mind is I was thinking about how people say Philippians 4.13. And they say it like this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. They emphasize the beginning, right? They get all powerful. They're like, I can do it. I can do all things. Sometimes they even stop right there. I can do all things. <clears throat> and it's just interesting because we emphasize the beginning. We're emphasizing us. We put us in the, in the forefront, right? And we kind of just add in the part about Jesus at the back. Oh, it's Jesus does it. Good Christ, who strengthens me. But that doesn't really match. The way we say it, the way we see it commonly, you know, in society, in pop culture. I mean, you'll see t-shirts at Christian bookstores that say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's talking about sports. Or maybe you have the tattoo. Or maybe you have the, you know, whatever, the coffee cup with it. And a lot of times we simply look at that verse and we think about it in the context of us. And what it means for me. And what it says about me. But that doesn't really match what Paul says what Paul emphasizes in his ministry. Let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. My iPad's freaking out. All right. Already, you have all you want. Already, you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. But the thing is, the thing he's addressing right here is he's, use, he's speaking tongue-in-cheek. He's speaking sarcastically. And it's not, pretty, it's not very often that you find in the Bible that someone's talking sarcastically, but that's definitely what Paul's doing right here. Because the thing is, is Paul's trying to address something that's come to his attention in the church at Corinth. And he's heard the people that are in Corinth that the Corinthians have taken the gospel of Jesus and the blessings that come with it, and they've misapplied. It. And they've used these things, used these awesome things that happen when we follow Jesus, these amazing things, these things that change, the new life we get, and they've used it to puff themselves up. And they've become prideful. And they're kind of lording it over their neighbors and their friends. That's what scholars think, is that these Corinthians were basically thinking they're the best people walking on the street right now. Get out of my way. I'm a follower of Jesus. And the thing is, Paul doesn't like that. Because the message in Paul's ministry, the message ultimately in Jesus' ministry, which Paul reflected, was that our life is not a call to pride, but a call to humility. And so that's what he's addressing here. And he's being sarcastic, and he's trying to like make the light come on for them. Because he's, he's hoping that maybe if he compares himself to scum, maybe if he shows how weak he is and that they're so strong and that they have honor and he doesn't, that maybe the light bulb will come on for them. And this, this person who came and shared the gospel with us first, this man that, that has gone around and has been beaten, thrown in prison, if he's saying this stuff about himself, maybe I should have a second, a second look at myself. Because that's something that's very um, enticing to human beings is our own Pride. I mean, that was one of the big mistakes in my video, right? Is our, you, that wasn't a man who was humble right there. That was a man who's prideful, who's walking around thinking he's the best. But that doesn't reflect Jesus. And so that's one thing that we need to think about with Philippians 4.13, is that it's a call to humility and not to pride. It's not about you. Unfortunately, the Corinthians didn't get it. They didn't get the message. Or maybe if they did... They forgot and kind of went back to their old ways. Because we see Paul again in 2 Corinthians having to come to them and explain the same thing again, addressing their pride, addressing the way they carried themselves, the way they conducted themselves, the way they thought of themselves. The difference is, is that Paul approaches it from a different angle this time. He tried attacking the pride head on the first time. This time, he's addressing things like their abilities, their, their strength, their wisdom, even their power, because that's a lot of the times where the source of our pride comes through, right, is what, what makes me great, what makes me special, and so a lot of times that's where our pride comes from. so that's what Paul's going to address here, and really, the thing is, it'd be easy for us to kind of jump on the Corinthians here, and kind of think a little, like, think badly about them, because it's like, well, y'all are dumb. Paul's already wrote to you, how did you not get this? How can you be so prideful? But the thing is, is it'd be pretty easy to fall into that. Because the honest truth is, there's some really cool things that happen when you follow Jesus. And some of them don't even make sense. There's some, I mean, just amazing things that happen when we follow Jesus. Like, for instance, Paul. And there's a story in Acts, and it it was, Paul's basically on this island. And the reason he's on this island is because he's had a, a shipwreck. And he's walking around, and the story's told from the perspective of kind of the sailors. Like, the sailors are watching Paul do this. Paul's going around, and he's gathering firewood for a fire. You get the impression that maybe they're cold. They just got out of the sea. They need to warm up. So Paul's out doing some work. He's getting, a, getting some fire sticks, and the sailors are watching him. And then what happens? But a snake bites him. And apparently, this isn't just any ordinary snake, which would be bad enough. But this is some kind of deadly snake because basically the sailors give you the impression that they think Paul's about to die. But then Paul responds like this. He's got the snake just bit him on the hand and he just kind of flings it off. He goes, I can do all things for Christ. It off. And they are blown away by it. The sailors are like, what is this? What kind of man is this? And that's not all Paul did. Paul prayed for someone and they raised from the dead. There was times where Paul would pray for, oh, you know, he would pray over a handkerchief. And then people would take that handkerchief miles and miles away. And someone would hold that handkerchief and they'd be healed. And then the disciples, that's not just Paul, but Peter. Peter could, you know, he, he picked up a lame man and the man walked. Or he'd walk by people and his shadow would just pass over people. And they'd be healed. And it says in Acts that all the disciples are doing and it's not just the disciples. At this time in history, probably all of the early church is having these moments and these experiences where God's moving miraculously and powerfully. And so the Corinthians probably are experiencing this. They're, you know Maybe one of them is reaching out and their, their mother's sick and they touch their mother and their mother's healed. Or maybe they're pulling out the scroll of Isaiah and for the first time in their life, they're understanding everything they're seeing. And all this cool stuff is happening. And it would be really easy to kind of take that stuff and then apply it to your life and think, I'm pretty cool. I'm pretty good. Man, look at me. I touched that person, they got healed. And you could kind of become puffed up. And that's what the Corinthians were doing. So Paul doubles down. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 16 through 32, this is what he says I repeat. Let no one think me foolish, but even if you do accept me as a fool, so that I too may boast a little, what I am saying with this boastful confidence I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear it if someone makes, a, makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. through many a sleepless night, in hunger and in thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is made to fall, and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness, that God and the Father of the Lord Jesus he who is blessed forever knows that I'm not lying. That's intense. Paul just basically said, he's been, he's been whipped almost 200 times. He's been stoned, thrown in prison. He was at sea for a day, 24 hours. And what's his point? He's making them realize, like, yeah, there's some really amazing things that God does through us, but it's not me. And it's not even that God's going to always do this amazing stuff for us too, where our life's going to be perfect. Because if you look at Paul's life, his life wasn't perfect by our standard. He faced hardships and struggles. So he's trying to wake the people up. He's using sarcasm again. Hey, people, wake up. You have no reason to be prideful. You have no reason to think that this this walk with Christ is about having superpowers and being the, the baddest dude walking around. It's about humility. And really, Paul's trying to tell them it's the Christian life is less about power and position and more about perseverance. And that's the context that we think of with Philippians 4.13. This is about perseverance and not power. Because that's what Paul faced. I mean, no normal human being apart from Christ would face the things that Paul faced that he described in that verse and would be able to still have joy and peace and love, and mercy, and grace. Because only Jesus can do those things. But man, that got dark fast. Because at the beginning, we're just kind of laughing at me, and my failures, at lifting weights, and my misapplication of flipping 413, and now we're faced with reality. We're faced with real life, real talk, hardship, struggle. But we're not done. We still need to use our last tool, which is applying it to our lives. Josh, will you come up and help me? It'd be easy to walk away from these verses and walk away from this uh, Sunday feeling robbed. Feeling robbed of Philippians 4.13. Feeling robbed like, well, if I can't do all things, what can I do? And maybe it'd be tempting to walk away feeling like, well, I guess life's just going to be terrible. But then you'd miss it too. Because life's not designed to be terrible. But it's not going to be perfect either. And that's something that we fall into all the time, right? We we hear the language, we hear the promises that Jesus makes. And a lot of times we think that that means right now. That I'm never going to get sick. That I'm never going to be hurt. That I'm always going to get the job. That I'm always going to have an abundance. That I'm always going to have everything that I've ever wanted. And a lot of times that's what we do with these verses, whether it's Philippians 4.13 or Jeremiah 29.11. We take them and we think that this has to do with me right now and everything I want. But the reality is, is it leaves people broken and disappointed in God because it's not reality. It was never founded in reality. That's, that's dreams and rainbows and unicorns thinking like, oh, I get whatever I want. And you may feel beat up because maybe, you, like I said, you felt robbed of these verses. They're gone. Well, what can I use now? What am I going to lean on when I'm having a hardship and I look to Jeremiah 29, 11? But really what I'm hoping is is that that's not how you'll take this. That really you'll walk away with this with more hope, more faith in God. Because the real, the real thing is is that there's peaks and valleys in life. We're not just on this... Track course to just great, better and better and better things. There's going to be moments in your life where where it's awesome and where it's hard. Moments where you get the job, where you get the promotion, where you find your spouse, where you have your first child. And then there's going to be moments when there's death in the family and it's hard and you don't understand why. And maybe you were praying and didn't get the answer you wanted and there's these hardships, right? Or freak accidents, whatever. Any of these things and it just does, life doesn't match this idea that Philippians 4:13 means I can do whatever I want. But it means so much more. Cuz that's what the tangible word of God is. Is it is it apl- applicable to real life? Tangible things. David said it best. Psalms 139. Where shall I go from your spirit? For darkness is as light with you. Will you stand up with me, church? As we finish this series, that's what I want you to know, is that the scriptures are not about rainbows and and dreams and these things that are never going to be real, that don't have real impact on the world, that don't apply to your real life. It's so much more. And the promises that are found throughout all of the Bible is that no matter what you face, God's going to be with you. And that's what I want to leave you today with. Is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's not about I can do whatever I want. It's about no matter what the world throws at me, no matter what things I don't understand and can't comprehend, I can get through it with the Lord. Some of you have had some struggles lately, hardships. And I want you to know that we're going to have prayer workers up front. And we would love for you to calm down and get prayer because that's what families do. Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for this day. We thank you, Lord, that your word is powerful and true. And that your word, Lord, is tangible and real. And it has real world impact. It's not just poetic language, Lord, but it's it's got grit and re- and truth to it, Father. So we just pray that we would learn to lean on you in our hardships. Lean on you in our struggles. Lord God, let us be a family that ties together under the banner of Jesus. And that it is through him that he gets all the emphasis, Lord. It's not about us, but it's about him. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To find out more about service times, giving, and community groups that meet throughout the week, please visit us online at luminouschurch.org. Thank you for listening to this week's message.